Countdown is exciting. Countdown is so exciting. Beautiful people yeah, of the internet, welcome to the BRB AFK PDQ on this wonderful end of July as we are wrapping everything up here. Um, joining us in the studio today, it's a, it's a short staff, but that's fine. We're happy with our skeleton crew tonight. Uh, joining us is our illustrious host, Ryan Shipley. You know, I, and you're seeing my wave move, right? Like I, where I'm, I'm talking right now? I'm seeing yep. that move. It is all okay. legit. We are, we are waving okay. at each other. It's been so much. It's been it's been a crazy hectic week. I didn't even think of like what song you're playing tonight. So you know what? For this one time only, I'm gonna let Corey, um, once you introduce him, decide what song <laughs> we open the show with. <laughs> once we once we let people know that Corey Dyke is over in this corner there. Um, <laughs> yes. you know. Although, uh, yes, joining us once again, uh, our uh, our weeaboo supreme Corey Dyke. Everybody, welcome. Hello, hello, yes, and, and I'm all about skeletons, so uh, skeleton crew for life. You know. For sure. I don't want um, flesh right now, given this heat, so I'm, I would embrace skeletal hood right now. This summer, anybody that says it's this this weather is nice is just an undercover cop. They're, they cannot be trusted. Um, what song did we kick off tonight with, Corey? Uh, it's so hot. So I'm trying to think of some like, like ice level music from the game of your choice. <laughs> okay, there you go. Ice game. Uh, let's do the Mario 64 where he uh, sacrifices that penguin. <laughs> Baby penguin. <laughs> there you, there go. you go. That's that's the music we started with. Um, and Scott, our best friend, is um, is not here tonight. He's uh, he's a little under the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had other guests that were also going to come on. Um, they too were under the weather, but Boston, I'm just going to pull the, f- the curtain back here. Boston did not want to have three women on the show. He said, Hold what do you think whoa. this is? Do you think this is the Lilith fair? Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> that is not what I said. You're supposed to go along with the bit, Boston. I'm the good guy I, I, on this podcast. Hold, hold up. I, no. <laughs> wow. You can be the good guy. Boston is actually about to go to work for Blizzard, which is uh, fitting. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The curtain's been pulled back, Boston. Uh, yes, I am the... He's in HR. No, it's... uh. But we're getting everybody rescheduled, so it's all good. But we still wanted to make sure that we uh, did an episode, so we're going to do a PDQ episode. Um, as uh, when Corey mentioned before we started, this is going to be a gorilla episode. Uh, we're just going to see what happens. I think it's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, we're known for not doing a lot of, like, um, research and preparation for this show, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it gets into cryptids, yeah. This is going to be incredible. Um, but yeah, the heat is bad. Does the heat, when it gets to this point in the summer, do you feel like just basically staying home and just like cutting off from society? Mm, yeah. Uh, honestly, that's been most of what's been happening for us recently is like, uh, because the two main units on the house have, have actually gone out. Oh, dear God. And no. so we've been using a window unit to kind of like mitigate the difference. And we need to get them to come out and fix the big, big units. But I also need to, you know, get 
yard taken care of so I can they can come out and access the units. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, but I can't move because it's so fucking hot. No, and it's not like one of those things you can go, oh, I'll wait till it, you know, gets later in the evening, like seven or so, and then I'll do it. Because uh, according to my temperature thing here, it's still 87 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's not fun. Like I was this weekend planning to do things and instead I stayed inside and played a plague's tale. Mm. Yeah. I just did not want to leave this house. <laughs> I think I made it over to Weigel's. Yeah. I'm at the point where I just take heat naps. Like literally I'm just going to take a nap until it's cooler <laughs> and just let my body shut down. So that I don't have to be, I don't have to be physically aware of this heat because oh, uh, yeah. my house gets, uh, my AC unit's working, but this house just gets blasted with sun for like 12 hours straight with no shade. So it only can do so much. I, I just leave a fan on in, in the living room and like I said, just try to think about ice levels and, uh, you know, get out uh, anything so- to feel cool. I think I'm just going to put the thing uh, from the eighties <laughs> just on rotation <laughs> And, and just be really jealous, you know, at the end when McReady's like literally his beard is frozen. And I'm just gonna like touch mine, just like what I would give to have Antarctica on my beard right now. Just muttering to yourself, must be nice. Must yeah, be nice. no, pretty much. Like, you know, it's, I, I mean, I wouldn't be mind stuck in Antarctica with Keith David. I'm sure he's got good stories. So here we go. Uh, this is a good question. What is the best ice level in a video game? Hmm. Ooh, I mean, the correct answer is none of them, but <laughs> yeah, um, ice is uh, can be like, uh, can be a bit of a hassle. You gotta get them slippery physics in there. They gotta they gotta turn off that friction coefficient and let it let's see what happens. Uh, I always remember the Super Mario Brothers too. You know, the American Super Mario Brothers too, because yeah. uh, that was one of the first ice levels that was really you know different from the rest of the game because you know it had the slip physics and. Yeah. The slip physics, if you if you play it now, are insane. Like you take a good run and jump off, you'll like, fly like four screens across, <laughs> and it's like you know, kind of it kind of ruins you from when you when you're a kid. And you got on real ice, thinking you go super fast. It's like no, you're just faster to falling on your face. You're not going to be able to make a leap, you know, into the next county over uh-huh. uh, from the ice. Uh, I I always hated the ice. Uh, everybody was mad at the at the water temple in um not the water temple but like the swamp the water dungeon in a link to the past uh where you got the hook shot like yeah it's bad but the ice dungeon was far worse trying to figure out like was it nine floors and which exact floor you're actually supposed to be on to move the dungeon forward and you're just like please can i just finish this dungeon (laughs) uh of course if you had the fire rod you were pretty much just 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 going through it just fire rotting everything this um, website I'm looking at put one of the, I guess, ice dungeons from a Zelda game in their top five best, and that was mm-hmm. the Snow Peak Ruins in uh, Twilight Princess. I was about to say, are you on the, the Destructoid one? Yeah, but is that which one you're looking yeah. at? Here? I, was, I was trying to be like, what? Also, it's that, that weird spot of what constitutes a snow level, right? Like, what okay. constitutes, like, an ice level? Because, like, I love a lot of the Mega Man ice levels because you have to mm. deal with that, the slide, and... I like the games where you do have to, to try and figure out those mechanics. But then there's ones like, could you say that Resident Evil Village is a snow level? 
Because you're trudging through the ice and snow to get. I'd say if it, it impacts you how you're playing, yeah. Uh, if it's and, if it's impacting, yeah, your physics. But in that absolutely. case, you could do you could use a Silent Hill game too, because a Shattered Memories um was essentially yeah. set in like a winter, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh, what's the other one here? That uh, Make a Snowman from We Love Katamari is a. Is a oh I remember. yeah. So you're like, yeah. it's a snow level, but it's more that you're like rolling up things in the snow to make a, mm -hmm. a snowman head. Yeah. And I always uh, dug the uh, the snow level in um, Banjo and Kazooie. I don't know if it's the first or the second one. But they mm -hmm. had a really cool, there's like that giant Christmas tree in the middle of the stage. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the first one. Yeah, I like that stage. And I really liked the snow levels in Donkey Kong Country. But in fact, if I play any game and there's snow in it, I get excited. Except for Assassin's Creed 3. The snow really? parts of that game were horrible. You could barely <laughs> move. They, they could have done something simple as, oh, you know, at this point you leveled up by getting, like, uh, what are those, snowshoes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they didn't even do anything like that. So anytime that you were in the wilderness, you were basically trudging through snow, and it just wasn't fun. I think that's the, a lot of the reasons why people did not dig part three. I think that was the fourth or the fifth game in the series, but yeah, they did not dig that one. Yeah. I'd say though, uh, if I had to choose probably my, my favorite then would be, uh, would be Fahrenheit or as it was released in the States, uh, Indigo prophecy. Now, was that the one that scared <laughs> a lot of people because there was a lesbian leads? Uh, no, that's fear effect, wasn't it? Fear effect two. I I think fear effect was the was the lesbians. Okay. Because Indigo Prophecy, uh, Indigo Prophecy was pretty heterosexual. Because <laughs> um, well, like your your relationship with your your girlfriend is important, and then the female antagonist's relationship with the guys in her life were important. So it was pretty, mm -hmm. it was pretty heterosexual. Okay. Um, although I liked uh. Because the whole thing is like you're there's dropping down to uh, zero, like almost zero degrees Celsius in the game. So mm -hmm. it's, it's getting it's getting stupid cold in New York, and that's causing a bunch of issues. As well as you're trying to solve effectively the murder that you're trying to figure out how you were convinced to kill somebody. Oh, um, but oh, wow. my, my favorite mechanic of the whole game is you can totally <laughs> if you're not paying attention. You can totally kill yourself in the first uh, one of the first interactions. Really? Because you you killed it. You you killed a guy, and then you wake mm -hmm. up in the bathroom like covered in blood, and there's a body, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" And so huh. you have to like like move the body into the stall, clean up the blood as best you can, hide the not you know do all you can to hide yourself. Yeah. Reverse Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. Then, and then uh, then sneak out and go home. And then when you're when you wake up in your house, you're like, oh god, I hurt so bad, and you can totally down a bottle of painkillers and then drink a bottle of vodka and die. <laughs> really? Yeah. We call that the rock and roll ending. And that's yep. pretty awesome. Yeah, um, it's, it's just it. It's literally like, and they're even like, well, you took a bunch of painkillers and then drank alcohol. Uh, game over. Yeah, that was dumb. yeah. That's that's people forget that that was a thing, especially with old school PC games. Like they would let you kill yourself in the most oh, yeah. just insane ways, especially you know 
uh, net hack or if you would try to use a potion on self, you know, it'd just be like, okay, you drank acid. Bye, bro. And uh, uh, my favorite, though, even though it was kind of a broken, janky mess, it was a broken, janky mess that I loved because it was in our uh, school library's computer li- computer lab. So we all played it way too much. Was was Ultima 8 Pagan. Oh, man, there were just so many ways to get blown up in that game. It wasn't even fair. Like, you would literally just go into someone's house, still sit, and they'd be like, stop. You'd be like, no. you still in their thing. Then the wizard, the court wizard would no. show up and be like, like, uh, yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're guilty of, of thievery. And rather than, you know, give you a, a trial or anything, he'd just blow you up. Like, he didn't even bother asking, like, why are you doing this? Like, okay, well, boom. And you just see your body parts go flying across the screen. So um, <laughs> there was a lot of things in Ultima 8 that ended in, oh, well, okay, you're going to get blown up now. Uh, <laughs> like, That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. It, it was... kind of reminds, reminds me of a, what, a Chrono Trigger where mm-hmm. they, you, you go off and you do all the normal uh, JRPG tropes and then you're held on, you're put on trial and they bring up all the shitty things you did at the you beginning did it of the so game. Far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you scaled that kitty off. Like, what? Wait, and then it's like killed a kitty. No, you can like walk up to this cat and you can scare it off, and then the person will testify that you were like being mean to a cat. Oh, okay. So I don't remember so about, that. Yeah, no, everything it's... you yeah yeah like literally everything it's, it's... you do in the millennial fair can be good or bad, and they it ultimately it just depends whether or not you get a little bag of goodies because you escape one way or the other. But if you were like if you're innocent like completely innocent they still throw you in jail because like yeah well you did this other stuff whatever bye and yeah. uh but you like get like a goodie bag because you're know, like oh well you know you're not a bad guy so here's some you know gear for you that's pretty yeah. amazing uh the first um the first season of the walking dead uh telltale games that's kind of the same thing like the last um the last episode uh your character's captured and he's you know tied up in a chair and this guy that you basically been kind of hunting, has been hunting you the whole the whole game, sets down and basically tells you all the terrible decisions you made in the game. <laughs> like when you come across that car that's still running and you steal the supplies from it because you need food and medicine. And he brings mm-hmm. that up and just any awful thing you've done in that game gets brought up. And it's it's kind of great at that point where you have to realize I would not be a good person in the apocalypse. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I would be a terrible person. Um, another ice game I want to recommend before we we move on is called uh, Shinsaki Into the Depths. It was a Metroidvania yeah. game that came out last year. You're basically a submarine, and the you have a submarine, and you kind of get out of the submarine. Sometimes uh, you get like. Um, uh, meters that help you like because how frozen it is and also because you know the oxygen and as the game progresses you can build how long you're able to get away from your uh, submarine and it's super good for a uh, for like a metroidvania game i think i know some people think that the genre is a little overcrowded right now and they're wrong. but i think that's one that really stands out it was an apple arcade exclusive originally huh. but now i think it's on the switch and um, PC. I don't know if it ever came to Xbox or PlayStation. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, no, I love Metroidvanias. Make make 50 more. Uh, go yeah, for it. I, um, it's, it's a fantastic a genre to me. I, I love it. Yeah. And I'm excited that we're going to get a new actual Metroid Metroidvania mm-hmm. um, in October. Yeah. 
And we're also supposed to get Bloodstained too, not too far in the future, which is yeah. kind of the spiritual successor to Castlevania. Because uh, the only Castlevania game I know of that's coming out is Konami's doing, uh, apparently going to do a, uh, a, a, a three-game collection of the advanced titles. Oh, cool. That's, Those... like, that's cool, but it's like, are you guys ever going to even attempt to make any? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I, I totally get that because, like, they um, EA did their big um, presser this week, and their big announcement yeah. was they're remaking the first Dead Space. I think they're doing that because they saw how big the Resident Evil remakes have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would rather them make a new Dead Space game. Agreed. Like, and, and, you... and not co op. For the love of all oh, that yeah. is holy, oh, do not make Dead Space. No, come Dead Space unless 3... it's an optional. Oh, this is an optional mode. Did you ever try Dead Space Three? Because I didn't. Because the I read the co-op stuff and I was just like, "This." Is I not played it I for a while, but it yeah, it it just it wasn't Dead Space. It just felt more and more like a cover shooter. And I'm just yeah. like, like the the original two Dead Spaces were brilliant games of isolation but it's like now it's like oh you got a buddy with you like but the <laughs> yeah. whole point of dead space was that you're completely alone no yeah. one's going to help you you are you're you're trapped in space there is no escape from this <laughs> but i mean and the set pieces because one of the best things about especially they they i think they overplayed their hand in the second one but the first one did a great job of, of creating these scenes where like is this really happening, or is yeah. Isaac just slowly losing it? Like the twinkle, mm -hmm. twinkle little star part, which is hands down one of the best scenes in a mm -hmm. horror game. Mm -hmm. Where, uh, if you both recall it, and just for anyone that hasn't played it, there's a section of the game towards the end of all places where you know you're you've gotten pretty used to getting attacked a lot and big monsters, and you're pretty well armed by that point in the game. So you know the the tension's kind of coming down a little bit because you're you're getting you, you got good so to speak. Uh, but then you come to this series of rooms with nothing but bagged up corpses everywhere. And of course, in the game, corpses usually mean you're about to be attacked because the corpses are going to come and get you. But none of the, these are all fine. None of them move. There's no monsters anywhere. There's just weird scratchings and candles. And while you're walking through this area, you hear this woman singing, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you... And she just, huh. and then she'll repeat it. And it just keeps going. And the thing is, you never find out where that's coming from. There is <laughs> yeah. no woman. Well, there is yeah. no there is no living woman on the ship. So yeah, right. you're, you're the only living thing left that, you know, not count, because the aliens are technically undead. So you never find out the source of this. And of course, when you go back through that room, all that, all that atmosphere pays off because then they throw every single monster oh, yeah. they've got at you. On this, it's like you just thought this was a little set speed. Nah, now you got to run through this, and you thought you were good. Now you're just going to die. Yeah, a and it lot. had such good <laughs> use of like um, where you never felt like you were just sparse on like material and ammo and stuff, but just enough to where you did have to make some decisions. Very tough yeah. decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you couldn't be really sloppy. Yeah, like yeah. You, you had enough to get through, but if you were if you were panicking and missing, which happened a lot, especially yeah. when you're first playing it, like, yeah, you you run out of ammo. It's like, oh, I guess I guess to just melee these things to death. <laughs> yeah, and it's um and it's a shame too because the uh, the developers Visceral, they had done Dante's Inferno, which I think was not great, but was decent. 
Then they did the two um, Dead Space games, and when they started three, uh, according to Wikipedia here, they wanted it to be more like the first Dead Space. Mm-hmm. But at that time, co-op games were the big thing, and that's mm-hmm. what EA pushed them to do. Oh yeah, yeah. EA um, was like, "This is going to be our, it's going to be our co-op." Yeah. He said there was a pressure to make the game play faster and appeal to a broader audience, an approach that was odds at odds with the roots of the series and the horror oh, yeah. genre. And a good um, example of that is after the prologue. Uh, so the prologue is kind of like single person horror in the snow of all on an ice planet. Yeah. Uh, but then once you have that, it literally becomes a cover shooter for a while. Like mm-hmm. you're literally just getting in gunfights with other human beings. It's like this. This is dead space. Why am I in a gunfight? Like, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines. like, why well, am I getting into gunfights? I'm I'm here for the aliens, yo. Not not shooting Marines. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then what ended up happening with the two, the group was split off into two companies. Mm-hmm. One that was doing an Army of Two sequel, and the others were working on um, a Battlefield Hardline. That was the Cops and Robbers uh, variation of the Battlefield Which, games. Fun fact, if you were a fan of Army of Two... If yeah. you're a fan of Army of Two, I recommend uh, Wolfenstein Youngbloods because it, okay. it feels very much like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff. Like not 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 some of like the co-op specific things they did, yeah. but it definitely feels like a along Same those lines energy. of yeah, like keep, keeping keeping using one player to keep everybody busy while you sneak around. Oh, they, everybody. Were, they were really smart that they took two franchises, Doom. And, and that one that you would not really a Wolfenstein that you would not say, okay, these are really going to fit well in current, uh, the current game world with like, you know, how first person shooters are now, but they turned them both into successful franchises again, mm-hmm. especially oh, Doom. Doom Doom 2016. We would be here all night. If I went on to all the ways I love that game, but <laughs> so, I do want to, before we change subject, my ass game is a deep cut. Maybe most people haven't played it. But it was one of my favorite PS2 games, Extermination. Um, and, oh, uh, yeah. And it went, and I swear that's where they got the idea for Resident Evil 4's controls. Because if you play Extermination, it, it feels like a prototype for Resident Evil 4. Because it was a survival horror that had really good gun controls. And actually had first person like sniping view. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but you're, but the, but the aiming was, I mean, it, it was and it, it moved away from a it was tanky in a few places but for the most part and also uh, what was cool is you could climb up on stuff to get away from the monsters uh, and it was also set in, a, in an Arctic base and basically uh, water is evil in it so every after a while you learn to mistrust every single puddle in the game because <laughs> one of the aliens could come out of the water and uh, so yeah you're just you're just it does a good job of, of it was an early PS2 game, but it, it did really well with the tech. And like I said, the, yeah. the setting was perfect. At least really good techno play, soundtrack. At least from this gameplay footage that I'm looking at right now, it looks very similar to uh, like Tomb Raider 2, mm. where it's, I get that. it's it's 3D over the shoulder, but it's kind of a little clunky, especially as he's having, having like yeah. uh, nuanced moves to get to where the... <laughs> the, the yeah. The melee was definitely, yeah, the melee was definitely kind of clunky, but they kind of, they balance it by making, 
at first you think, well, you, in most horror games, using your knife means you're about to die. <laughs> it's, it's the last. But in this game, the knife is actually extremely strong because uh, you actually have a weak combo or you can do a single strong slash with it. There's one boss towards the end that very difficult to fight from a difference, but if you go toe-to-toe with it and just pull your blade out, you can, you actually stand a much better chance of which again, Resident Evil 4 used, where if, uh, if you remember the, the uh, what's his name, Krauser fight, mm-hmm. if you fight him with your knife, it's actually a much easier fight. Yeah. yeah if you go toe-to-toe uh, with him. The producer of the game is which a freaking legend. Took me, um, took me 10 playthroughs to finally learn that, by the way. Yeah, I'm not I have try to God. pronounce his name because I don't want to insult anybody, but he's mm-hmm. the uh, creator of Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, yeah. Well, that would he explain the difficulty. Did, <laughs> he also monster. created Bionic Commando. Um, he did Mega Man Two, Strider, um, Ducktales, oh, wow. um, nice. Gargoyles Quest, which I that was one of my favorite Game Boy games. I'm sure if I played it today, I don't think it would hold up, but at the time, I loved that. Uh, he did the Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Um, so he did a lot of the Capcom Disney era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was work, uh, Final Fight. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Mega Man 1 through, it looks like 4 at least. Or 5. No, there's 5. So, yeah, he's he's done a lot of stuff. Um, he kind of kind of dropped out like the, I mean, he did that Mad World game in 2009, which was uh, kind of stood out because it was like uh, kind of had that cool um, Sin City look to it. And it was like one of the only, I guess, bloody games on the Wii when people really cared about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, God, we were uh, we were people back in the 90s. Nintendo's allowing gore? What? what? Like, did you guys not play Sanity's Requiem? Like, Yeah, it's just... Uh, and no, Nintendo still has no. one of the best horror games of all time, Eternal Darkness. Yep. And I know there's all the, the legal issues with trying to get that game i know, you know it should be on the or, switch yeah it would yeah it would kill on the switch and there's so much cool new stuff they could do oh, with yeah. the technology and you could like uh yeah and especially on the switch you could have the joy drifts thing happen but not really um <laughs> but yeah there's uh it's one of those shames and then that guy ended up after eternal darkness i mean his company what was that they were doing they were going to do some kind of epic three game space odyssey Oh, uh, shit. That's not what it was called, but it sold like that. <laughs> um, but I remember that guy had came on at the time. I think it was NeoGAF. And he was talking about how awesome. And he was he was doing like what uh, Peter Monahue of Fable. Too Human? Did. Was he going to do too, Was it Too Human? It was Too Human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That was yeah. what it Yep. And uh, he did the same thing that Peter Monahue did with the Fable series where you promise oh. so much and mm-hmm. don't deliver on half of it and he came there to kind of defend the game and just uh mm-hmm. by that point i think it was it was done like i think two human two didn't get out of the two human two human two more <laughs> two human two human yeah oh that's good stuff um i listened to a podcast today that was uh nicole Bayer from uh nailed it and she and uh, this other guy were talking about the first Fast and the Furious movie and how, mm. you know, it's kind of crazy because how dated it is because in that movie mm-hmm. they're trying DVD to players. steal, like, DVD players. But oh, the God. co-host said the thing that's even crazier is that there was a truck driver that was willing to die for those DVD players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those aren't DVD players. Those are freedom players. 
<laughs> it's so crazy. And then the guy was saying, okay, so in this one, they're trying to steal DVD players. And the new one, they're trying to steal, they're trying to steal two parts but of a then, device yeah. that if they get can destroy all the technology in the world. The Fast series is the epitome of uh, what is called spectacle creep. <laughs> okay, just every. Uh, I was just in any any situation where you have, like, the game has to keep getting more progressively more bizarre, and the ante keeps getting upped every single time, to a point where you're like, we can't. What do we? Like, what do we do? We can't. Mm-hmm. But that's that's yeah. how a lot of times you get those. You end up getting reboots because they're like, we've yeah. we've gone as far as we can. Alice can like. We have to restart the Resident Evil movie <laughs> franchise because yeah. Alice can now lift the buildings with her mind and shit. I don't yeah. fucking remember. It was kind yeah, of I think she did have psychic powers she towards did. the end. I don't think you're off. I don't think you're off base with that. I think so. I think that guy basically the first movie was like, I'm going to do a Resident Evil movie, and then he went, ha ha, I'm going to do my own universe over here, where yeah. I'll throw in some of the Resident Evil names that you know. But it's not, it's not, it's not has anything to do with Resident Evil anymore. It's literally the lower, it's like the, the lower shelf of, of, of serials. Ow. Resident Evil. Like, no, 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 we have Resident Evil at home. And that's the Resident (laughs) Evil at home is is Mila Jovovich kicking zombies. Yeah, each movie did well enough that they were able to do another one. And I dislike her so much. Uh, And the reason I dislike her is she was on Conan a very long time ago, um, promoting uh, Fifth Element. And yeah. she mm-hmm. was so mean to Andy Richter. What? Yeah, she was... And supposedly she was really awful like on the set of... Uh, oh. Yeah, she was, like, rude. And she was supposedly really awful on the set of Dazed and Confused as well. Um, uh-huh. So at Wait, that she, point... She was in Dazed I'm, and Confused? Yeah, she was in... Um, she's You know, basically that movie, there's no real... Um, star of the movie, but yeah, and there's no plot either, yeah. Um, but supposedly she isolated herself from the cast, wouldn't talk to them, basically shacked up with this guy who thought he was going to be the next Marlon Brando at the time. Spoilers, it didn't happen. Um, because uh, well, Matthew, McConaughey, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey kind of swooped in, mm-hmm. got that role at the last minute, and basically made himself a career out of it. All right, mm-hmm. all right, all right, yeah. It was funny. It was not funny, but in the they tell a story like a week into shooting that movie, um, mm-hmm. his father died, Aww. and his father died while having sex with his mother, <laughs> which she brought well, at least it wasn't funeral. with someone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she said, "And don't worry, he finished before he died." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Well, good but for him. But he said yeah. like. He was going to leave the movie at that point, and the director said that's totally fine. But he remembered how happy and proud his father was when he got this role, because McConaughey has a you know a big he's 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 driven. He's very driven. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I I hope in a few years when he does go into politics, I don't start hating him. I really hope I don't. Um, but he decided he went and did the funeral and you know mm-hmm. paid his respects and then came back and finished the film. And he's the one of those right, actors right thing you, was a uh, ad lib. Yeah, he's one of those actors you like to make jokes about. But at the end of the day, he is legitimately good. I mean, if you watch him in his more serious work, he's 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 legit. Yeah, was he it the Dallas Fowlers Club? Yeah, he's amazing in Dallas Fowlers, and that is a hard movie. It like, yeah. kind of reminds me of a uh, of like Guy Fieri, mm-hmm. where it's like 
It's like he, you look at him and it's like, oh, it's McConaughey. Uh, that's adorable. <laughs> then it's like, oh, hey, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you start seeing like, especially during the pandemic, just how awesome Guy Ferrari actually is. You see him and his look and everything. You think, okay, he's probably a douche nozzle. But mm-hmm. then you start hearing all the stories of how many restaurant workers he's helped over the years and how, um, like I, I read, I saw a TikTok where a girl that worked with him on an episode of his um, uh, TV uh, food channel uh, show about the diners and drivers, um, remember her well enough that when she got, got married, he sent her like a gift and congratulations. And this is like knowing her for like a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and it's kind of good when you hear that because you, you look at him and yet you, you think, oh, God, this guy's probably uh, he was probably there on one six. If, if we're being honest, he was probably there. Um, He's like, Flavor Town will not step down. <laughs> Flavor Town. Joe Biden's not the president of Flavor Town. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's be honest. Who who would be more likely to eat his food? It would be Trump. Uh, this is I mean, true. Trump was, Trump's never said no to a burger. So. No. No. But the weird thing about him is he eats pizza with a fork. Yeah. And so, so is, is that a, is that a thing that they've actually like verified he does a lot, yes. or was it like that one deep dish? I'm sure it was that. I'm sure they only. They. I'm sure it was that one deep dish. But it makes you. But I remember how angry people got about that. <laughs> I, I, I. Are you googling Trump googling eating pizza right with no. a fork? Wait, Trump eating pizza with a fork or? It was Guy Trump. Fieri. Oh, Guy Fieri wouldn't do it. Okay, that's Guy, I mean, I, like, Guy Fieri. I don't even know if he knows what a fork is. <laughs> He's edgy, dude. If he does anything, it's a spork. No, I'm gonna avoid. I'm gonna avoid putting Trump into my uh, Google search history for as much, long as I can. Okay, that's go. that's a good thing. It's uh, Just do president pizza and pre- presidents and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Google ain't um, gotta know. Pizza comes up with little Little Caesars variation on McDonald Land. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> I just can't. Can you imagine a Little Caesars having a play area? I mean, it's like we're just here for a minute to grab this pizza and go. But there's a whole player. Could you imagine parents trying to drag their kids out? They're like, no, we just we just came in to get the hot and ready. But there's a slot. We just we're just getting the hot and ready. But there's a ball pit. Like, why would you do this? You want people to come and leave? Uh, that that's evil right there. Yeah, yeah, there's not even a dining area in Little Caesars unless you're eating on the bench. Which I did once when I was waiting on someone to like come pick me up, and I had the pizza. So I was like, "Whatever, I'm eating a piece right now." I would feel sad if I was sitting on a Little Caesars bench eating pizza. <laughs> have you ever seen those Domino's that have like the one little like booth for someone? It's literally like one booth. And it's just yes. there for for someone to eat there. And you're just like, I don't know if it's like they're required to have it or something. Just they like, might, it might what? be because Hibachi Factory does the same thing. <laughs> There's like one you, table. Yeah, because I, I when I went to vote last year, I voted next to where the hibachi factory is, because you know location, mm-hmm. location, location. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and got some food, and then while and I was sitting there while I was ordering my Uber, and they do have that. They have the single terry uh, seat, which is for just one person, which I guess is the cuck table. And then, <laughs> then you have one. 
that's like. I mean, I'm sure that, uh, somewhere on Tumblr that someone's kink is like, I want to be the only one eating at the hibachi factory. Just sitting by yourself as your wife has dinner with somebody else at the hibachi well, that's factory. Hero, yeah. Yeah. The thing I miss, I wish uh, back in the 80s, I don't know when they stopped doing it, but it was when Pizza Hut used to have the buffet and they would have the really cool. Um, the cool games where you could like um, look down and play. Oh yeah, like tabletop Pac-Man and yeah, tabletop Pac-Man and I think table. I think I played a tabletop gauntlet once. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I miss that. I miss the I miss those pizza. I mean, buffet food is never good. Like, I still have no idea how CC's is in is in business. It's just got to be, I guess, the prices affordable for people. I mean, it's literally, you can take your goblin children so, like, and their friends. They're spending like $10 and feed all of them. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean I, their apple pizza was the only okay thing. Um, and then I think two or three years ago, my uh, my nephew Parker had a, um, a birthday at uh, Chuck E. Cheese. And, man, that pizza was not good either. <laughs> and it blows my mind. That they that you can order Chuck E. Cheese pizza on Uber Eats. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's not Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Okay. Oh, that's it's right. Not... They 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 then try to change it during the pandemic, didn't it? They to trick people. Yep. What well, did they call it? Uh, it was called a uh, oh shit. Pascali. Pascali's. Yeah. What? And now they actually sell Chuck E. Cheese pizza in your um, local grocer. Why? Yeah, um, our friend uh, John Vieira um, posted a picture on Facebook of uh, of it. I don't I don't get it. I understand like White Crystal in uh, not yeah White Crystal in the grocery in your grocer, um, not because White Crystal tastes great or White Castle. White Castle. Yeah. yeah. Well, Crystal actually they both did it. They both had frozen hamburgers and cheeseburgers. Pascali and Pascali's Pizza and Wings. Yeah, that's wow. a, that became a huge thing during the pandemic with these uh, ghost kitchens. Oh, and basically, like what'll happen is like for a while there, there was like if you went on Uber Eats, you would see. Um, well, Guy Ferrari had one. Um, Mr. Beast, who I guess is a big internet thing, and another another group, and essentially, it was all in the same restaurant. And what they would do is they the people that owned this restaurant paid uh, like licensing fees. And then they would uh, use the recipes supplied by the t- by the three groups. Uh, and anytime that you got the food, it was always one of those uh, jack of all trades, master of none type things where it would just be gross. Because mm. I think we did the uh, we did the Guy Ferrari one night, and the fries were gross, and the burgers weren't that tasty. Yeah. All I know is that, yeah. The all I remember is that with the with the Chuck E. Cheese one at least is that. They just didn't. They like they had to make money, and they figured yep. no one would be like, "I want to order Chuck E. Cheese pizza to deliver." So they were like, well, "Let's call it Pascali's, which is That's the fancy. is one of, one of the character. It's one of the characters from um, the Chuck E. Cheese verse. Yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese, the Chucky, the Chucky verse. Yeah. Well, which is which is which is makes me wonder when Kevin Smith's going to write for Chuck E. Cheese and watch we get deep cuts. Oh no, man! To, uh, he, he writes for Chuck E. Cheese. You know it's going to end up where the main character is one of the girl band members. Lol. Yeah, it's been amazing watching people be so mad at Kevin Smith, people that don't understand how story arcs work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's just, have you seen any of this, Boston? I've not got a chance to to, to catch up on it. I, I've heard, I've heard there's a lot of butthurt people about the new He-Man stuff, but I haven't yes. heard any specifics. So the show is called Masters of the Universe, and Revelation. Yes, and it focuses. Um, Tila, is that her name, Tila? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tila. It focuses a lot on Tila because of stuff that happens during the story. Um, it's obvious that this is a part of a bigger story that's going to be oh, told yeah. out in the next five episodes. So they're doing like what streaming services are doing now to make sure they have content, which is, hey, here's half of the season now, and you'll get the other half of the season later in the year. It's just like what they did with Lupin. Well, um, and actually, and, and Netflix, it's worked well for them with other animes here. Like, they did that with She-Ra. It worked well. They did that with Troll Hunters. It worked well. They did that with... Uh, Voltron, it worked well. Well, they kept doing these like short runs of episodes, and but then like not even three months later, you get the next set. Well, people yeah. people forget people forget the power of that suspense. Yeah, like, we like binging binging stuff is fun, but like the power of that suspense of going like, oh fuck, what's gonna happen? I gotta wait a whole week, and you, you're sitting on the edge of your seat for seven fucking days, being yeah. like, oh man, oh man, versus. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, that, that happened. Yeah. And it's fun. Like, that's what I've liked about some people were like, oh, I want the Marvel stuff all at once. I like how they have um, spaced it out. <laughs> so that way, everybody that watches it mm-hmm. can enjoy it at the same time. It's like you don't get people to go, well, I can't talk about this because I've, I binged all six episodes <laughs> in the first day. Um, instead, we're all going, hey, did you see Loki Gator last night? And we're all doing <laughs> it as a collective. Well, and I think that that saved WandaVision because, you know, a lot of people got kind of turned off, but they kept watching it weekly. I mean, I was good yep. with it all the way through, but I understood that other people kind of got turned off at first. But because they kept watching it and it kept changing, that that kept them hooked in. And then it was easier. And plus, since they hadn't shown the whole series, it was easier for other people to then catch up. And yeah, like, oh, and, wait, and, and jumped on it. And that whole over. narrative that the theater chains started to do about Black Widow is just so much BS because... Honestly, right now, Black Widow has made, I think, the second most money um, this year. Um, I think Godzilla and it's, vs. Kong's number one for just a few. Fast and the Furious number nine, oh, I, I believe. Is, 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 okay. But I think, um, well, Black Widow will help them help that movie, too, is it's not been released in China yet. They've extended out their, um, I think China does like that blackout um, each year in July and now into August where, they don't allow any foreign films in their market. So Black Widow will probably be September, October in China, um, but it's still going to make about $200 million at the theater, and that's with the Disney+. Plus. It's just the theaters have to understand there are still a lot of people out there that are just too nervous to go to, to uh, cinema still. Mm. Yeah, I mean... I like more HBO Maxes, where if you have a subscription to HBO Max, you get to watch it. Like, I, I'm not down with the Disney Plus model. Yeah, pay, but, you already bought this for a subscription. Pay another subscription. Yeah, it's just it's just absolute BS. Uh, but I think that that narrative uh, that Black Widow filled is the same narrative created by the people that are mad at Heat Man right now. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. You've watched the whole thing, right, Corey? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I'm I'm I'm, and I'm not a He-Man stan or anything, but no, I mean it's good storytelling. And what I like about without without spoiling anything is, is two main things. One, and this is probably the more amazing one, they keep the 
the original bad pun-based humor in it. They they don't pretend that that never happened. Try to be too grim, dark, or serious. They keep the puns in there, and they even reference like in some flashbacks, like puns and because and in it was they're having a flashback about one time when He Man fought Skeletor. See any? He not like, well, Skeletor. Now you're all wet, and so that person's like, did He Man actually say that? And Teal's like. Oh yeah, no, he totally said that. You have to remember, he had the sense of humor of a twelve of a fourteen year old, <laughs> and it's like it adds up because you know Prince Adam is you know a, a, a kid basically, and so yeah, it, it's basically a kid with superpowers. So it makes me it kind of like callbacks to Shazam of like this is just a kid with superpowers. So of course he makes jokes and really bad puns, and the other yeah. thing is just like the sheer they know how insane a lot of the backstories for the characters are. They just run with it. They do try to reinvent the wheel. Like, oh, here's Roboto. He was made by a man at arms and has part of his, you know, intelligence in. Like, none of that makes any sense. Like, why a man at arms would have built a robot? But that's what he did. So here he is. So deal with it. And they even have Scareglow, which now apparently the Scareglow figures are, I guess, going to shoot up in value because they're like, wait, they reference Scareglow, <laughs> who was like, you know, the the evil ghost of Skeletor. Basically, it's a Skeletor figure that we repainted. <laughs> oh, no, the speculator things are already happening. Uh, I'm sure. In the comic world, there was like a He-Man book that just ended like a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. the print run wasn't that huge. But now people are gobbling it up, and the scarcity is making it pretty expensive. Oh, wow. That's surprising me. But yeah, no, yeah. I liked it overall. It's definitely a good start. It's going to be interesting where they go with it. Um, they pull some legit surprises off, and uh, the casting is just absolutely phenomenal uh, for the voices. It's it literally, you just sit there and just read. And then there's even some that haven't been announced that I guess because they don't want to spoil some. Uh, there's one, I guess there's that one character name they don't want to spoil. But when you hear his voice, you'll instantly know it because it's a voice you hear on commercials, and you'll be like, "Oh, it's that guy." Oh my god, that was perfect. From casting. the Arby's commercials? No, oh. you are close though. I'll oh my god, say. nice. You're, you're in the ballpark. But yeah, that would have been that would have been Meat Man. Which, uh, <laughs> that probably was a Meat Man. We got the meat. So like, yeah. What? But it, it's just so insane to me to see people that worked up over what was basically an 80s cartoon to sell toys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah. hilarious is just that, you know, they clearly weren't as invested in She-Ra because She-Ra changed so much in the in the New Year's, but it was amazing. Oh. I don't know if either of you watched but sure, it. Sure, they just ignored because that's not... Yeah. In their mind, it's not for them. Yeah, but oh, they amazing. forgot about this cast. Oh, oh, for He Man. Yeah, like, you're looking at He Man. Name some of the He Man cast. Lena Headey. Uh, yeah, okay, Lena Headey is Evil Lynn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Sarah Michelle Chris, Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller is Tila. Oh wow! Dietrich okay. Bader is Trapjaw. Nice. Which, oh, can, we just get, can we just get Dietrich Bader more work? Oh, God, I yes, absolutely. He was he was a really good Batman. I love that he that they brought him back as Batman from the Harley Quinn series. Yes. I think the last thing I saw him on was Veep. Yeah, he probably. was a side character on the last few seasons with Patton Oswalt. Um, but so Liam Cunningham, uh, better known as the Onion Knight from Game of Thrones, okay, voices Man at Arms. A lot mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones people in this. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure Al- who Alan Oppenheimer is, but he's Moss. Oh, Alan Oppenheimer is the original Skeletor. Also, Oppenheimer oh. is the one who created the nuclear bomb. 
different Oppenheimer. Yeah. Nope. Same one. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when they interviewed him. Was it that that toys they made us? They interviewed him, and he was just. He was eating up. He was like, he would do the Skeletor voice anytime they asked him to. He like, yeah. that's cool. And but then he also, but he was the one that also said that like the guy that did He Man's voice, uh, the original He Man is like the shyest dude on the planet. Like he's a, he said Aww. he's not. He's like he's like he's like he's one of the best men I've ever known. They super shy. He's like I do these toy conventions all the time. And I was like, dude, you need to come out here. Like they would love to see. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just, you know, I don't think it, they'd make that big of a deal over me. He's like. Trust me, they would they would oh, kill God. to meet he would the boys make so much money like signing. But he's just he's just mm. a, he just likes living a quiet little life by himself, and he just said he's the sweetest dude. But I mean, his voice it's that's his voice is that he man voice. Can you guess John, the other uh, the Irwin. other well known character he played? Our Boston's looking at Wikipedia now, so he probably knows. But I was about to say he looks he looks familiar. Yep, he also played the voice of Morris the Cat. Mm. Oh, who? Who, the He-Man or Alan Oppenheimer? Uh, John Irwin. He-Man. Yep. He played He-Man and uh, Morris, Who's Morris the Cat. Morris the Cat? Morris the From Cat the was Nine Lives commercials. commercials. Yeah, he was a... They did a big campaign with Morris the Cat in the 80s. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, and he also played Beast Man and Web Store. Not Emmanuel Lewis, but I guess there was a He-Man character named Web Store and Ram Man. Oh, my God, he was Ram Man. Nice. Ram Man was one of my favorite toys back in the day. Well, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Uh, I, I feel. I feel like the, the, the person we're thinking about, though. I have a feeling we're talking about Triclops. Oh, that's Henry Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Who plays He Man in the new? The new. Uh, I don't Wood. recognize him. Yeah, I don't. Chris I don't know Wood, what else he's okay. been in. Uh, he was in. Uh, he played Mon L in Supergirl. Okay. Ty Parker in the Vampire Diaries. Okay, so he's got definitely got himself a following because I know the Vampire Diaries was huge. It was just a horrible mm-hmm. title for a show for me to watch. <laughs> Dare Diary, I suck blood today. <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently he was a random. He was a rando in uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Okay, huh. and they just started filming Clerks three. Well, they're in post pre-production right now i think they had the first script read the other day um and oh, yes. i saw that earlier today i was like i didn't know how to feel yet i don't know either because clerks 2 i did not care for um yeah. if they if if they try and go like a different direction with it i'm gonna be super stoked but if they yeah. try and rehash the same thing again it's gonna be like mm. yeah it's just one of those things where i really want to like kevin smith <laughs> But I don't think I've liked him since Dogma. Yeah, he, I'm not does... his biggest fan, but I, I did like the Masters of the Universe. Yeah. He's, he's he so down for pushing boundaries, but he is just not. Yeah, he's, uh, he seems like he's kind of got that arrested development. He's stuck in this is what I do and this is all mm-hmm. I do. And that's fine, but I don't know. Yeah, but it's like he seems like a great guy and everything. It's it's like a yeah, he seems like a, a great guy and like I, I he he and he has a sincere love for the material, which is great. Yeah. But I'm with you. It's like I just feel like sometimes it's it's like two just a few steps away from Big Bang Theory, where it's like the nerdy reference is the joke. Yeah, is that it's nerdy. It's like, but he's better than that. But it's like it's not that far from it. Where. You know, it's it's just not as organic. Like, hey, we're going to talk in Star Wars quotes for a bit. Like, 
Yeah, okay, that's that's funny. That's literally what everyone does. But yeah, and I, hey. I, mean, I and I do admire him that he was able to do what he did and like become mm-hmm. as big as he has because he's really always on brand. Yeah, yeah. And from all everything I tell, he's a decent guy, good father. You know, yeah. yeah. I think he put his daughter in a zombie movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she was in um, yeah his last one too, and she was actually decent. She was actually, it was the one where, um, I forgot what it was called, but it was all about like Silent Bob, you know, finds out, um, no, Jay finds out he has a daughter and it's like a movie that kind of shows that Jason Mewes can act. Um, I think Jason Mewes is actually in Masters of the Universe. Oh, he's Stinkor. He's the, he's the skunk. (laughs) That's pretty great. Um, and honestly, Kevin Smith probably saved Jason Mewes life. Oh, wow. I'd imagine so, because Jason Mewes, he went through some hard times. So I bet uh, Kevin Smith, um, you know, saved him. So, okay. Most, so Most important voice. Yeah. Okay. So we know who played He-Man, and he's an unknown. I'm assuming the Skeletor actor is also unknown. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah. Totally no unknown. Is, You've never no heard is, of this dude. I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, he was in some bad sci-fi movie in the 80s and then didn't really do anything mm-hmm. else after that. Yeah, okay. what is it? Mark Mark Hamill? That sounds like is what, he, what's Hamil? Hmm, that sounds Arabic. Yeah, probably. He also was a cartoon clown that, you know, no one cares oh, about. Oh god. A real mm. joker. Yeah. I don't know why I was just so proud of myself there. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> uh, so We're that's pretty that. awesome. <laughs> Does cause I thought he had stopped doing a lot of voice acting after like the Joker voice really hurt his throat. He did, yeah, but I think given that uh, probably that they're able to work on, he doesn't have to record as much dialogue as he did for all that. Yeah. And uh, he's had a break. But I think the guy, I think he's just one of those people who just loves to work. Yeah. And he can only stay away from it for so long. Because, I mean, when he showed up on What We Do in the Shadows, he completely stole that episode. And oh, I mean, and, and I love Jermaine Clement, but I mean, they were just going at it, and it was just amazing those two working with each other, especially the pull cue fight where later on Jermaine Clement was like, I didn't realize until after the episode that I basically got into a lightsaber fight with Luke Skywalker. Was that the episode where he um, had to go uh, go into hiding? Yeah, he became um, Jackie Daytona. Okay. And he basically, he, he, he all he did was put a toothpick in his mouth. And that's literally the only thing he changes. Uh, And apparently no one can recognize that he's... It's it's amazing. And then, of course, Mark Hamill's character in the best naming of of any character on that show was Jim the Vampire. And he literally hands out a business card saying, Jim the Vampire. He walks around in a full vampire cloak and literally just tells people he's a vampire. But, you know, in the in the in the world of the what we do in the shadows, you know, like vampires are supposed to stay hidden. They're not always yeah. supposed to tell people they're vampires. But he's literally just walking around, apparently owns uh, a condo in LA and just hands out cards saying Jim the vampire. And like it just no I think because he's out in LA, people just assume he's just Oh being, being weird and not thinking twice about it. But. It's so good. I'm I'm glad too. It's on FX because they they do show loyalty to their shows. Mm-hmm. So hopefully. Oh yeah, new be season to... September second. Yep, and I, I haven't watched the trailer yet, um, but I know it's out there. Um, have either one of you started watching the spinoff show? 
No, I'm waiting to watch that with my my girlfriend. But uh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. It is on Hulu now, backing up. So cool. Have you seen it yet, Boston? Which one? Um, so you know the what we do in the shadows. They what is it called? Wellington Paranormal. Well, Wellington Paranormal. Yeah. It's essentially like what we do in the shadows, but it's like a cops vibe. Huh. Yeah, uh, they're doing it like in the mockumentary style, but yeah, making it a law enforcement mockumentary. Yeah. I love, but apparently like, they run into like a monster of the week each episode or something. Nice. Yeah, we have, uh, I think the first three on the DVR. I know it's like, I, I guess you said it's on Hulu. I know it's Hulu. also on um, HBO Max because I checked there and they have like... Oh, uh, no, HBO Max. That's where it's at. Sorry. Not okay, Hulu. yeah. And they have the they have the first four episodes there. So this is going to be a weird transition. I don't know how we, I guess we can say bloodsuckers. Um, let's talk about Blizzard. <laughs> Well, we it would have been better with the ice levels. I, I tried to set you up for success. Yeah, they are. They have ice. This is the one thing that we've kind of looked at before we started the episode. Uh, traditionally, we'll come up with something we're going to do on the episode, and it just never happens because we just go into like their tangents. Um, that should have been the name of our podcast, just tangents with an exclamation mark. Um, hmm. But Boston, what exactly is this Blizzard story? Um, well, so the brunt of it has been that <clears throat> uh, Activision Blizzard employees are uh, a little up in arms over uh, there's a lawsuit that was filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing uh, a while back, which was pretty much putting them on blast for you know not doing not not being the most uh, not not being the most uh, like uh, employee friendly company. Employee friendly company. Okay. I'm trying to remember if this is if they were the ones that were the the, the phrase was used uh, like a uh, like a frat house environment. Oh yeah, I saw that frat boy wor- workplace culture. Yeah, and there's already been like players players doing protests, and now I know uh, as of recording this, it's the 27th tomorrow. They're going to be doing. Um, on the 28th, they're going to be doing a walkout. Uh, a lot of the employees are doing a walkout. Okay. And protests. So it's it's a it's getting it's getting traction, but it's still it seems like with any as with anything else, uh, Activision and Blizzard themselves don't seem to give a shit. They they came out with some pretty lackluster responses and apologies. Was the apology as bad as their one two years ago? Oh, over the over the. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hong Kong shit. Oh yeah, I remember your rant about that. How bad that apology was. Is it as bad as that apology? Uh, so. I'm tr- uh. <laughs> well, you're looking for it. I do see here that. Is, yeah, so, the strike uh, is going to take place between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Uh, we're encouraging tomorrow. employees to take whatever. We're encouraging employees to take whatever time off they feel safe to do. An employee rep told Kotaku. Wow. Most plans take the full day off without pay, but we understand that some people, like contractors and associates and those who are paid less than they deserve, might not have the ability to do so. Jesus. Um, wow. That's oh, I think that, Okay, no, that's that was a... I think I, I think I was reading that in the wrong context. That was them being like, yeah, we're going to... We're going to do what we can. We are going to do what we can to protest, but those who can't necessarily, we're not going to, like, mm-hmm. hold them oh, accountable. Oh, okay. okay. start screaming scra- scab at them. Um, uh, references to creative uh, one of the things they are doing in response uh, that 
Blizzard is doing a response is that apparently they are removing references to the creative director, Alex Afrasiabi, who was one of the big um, problematic characters in there. Okay. Um, yeah, so it says here, like, less qualified men were being chosen over women, non-binary people, and other members of marginalized groups that were deserving of those roles. Um, it sounds to me like removing him from everything just sounds more like sweeping it underneath the carpet. Um, I yeah, just kind of about... wonder if this is going to be the same thing like Ubisoft for next year. We hear, hey, nothing's changed. Yeah. It's still frat boy. It's uh, like, hey, we're getting rid of the person that benefited from the decision, but we're not touching the people who made the decision. Yeah. Uh, Afros, yeah. Uh, Afros, Afrosiabi, apparently also his office was nicknamed the Cosby Suite. Oh, Wow. That, I wonder that, if he that had was one, of those, uh, for one of those buttons like Matt Lauer had. Did you hear about that? Like That was like no, top-level villainary, where he had a button that could lock the door. What? Oh, fuck. How do you request desk. that? And they actually brought that up. So in that show, The Morning Show on Apple TV, mm -hmm. that is essentially like Steve Carell's character gets Me Too'd. They yeah. do the same thing. He's got the button, too. But yeah, I don't know how you request that. That would basically be like going, hey, can I have a button that just drops this hole and the person falls through it? And maybe we can have like a pool of sharks. Just just can we do it? Can we do it? Um, um, no, sir, uh, no, um, HR is right below you. Well, that's fine. Sharks are, in, sharks. sharks are an endangered species. Would you be okay with Barracuda? If I have to, <laughs> I will, but I'm not going to be happy. In fact, can you stand right over there over that carpet right there? Just stand there for just a second. Um, and I know some players last week, um, their hearts were in the right place. They did a sit down inside the game. And I admire what they did. Like their heart, like I said, is in the right place. But you're still feeding money into Blizzard by doing that. I think a better I mean, they, player strike would be... They'd already paid for that month, but yeah. This yeah. is true, but if they want to really strike... The only way you'll get a lot of, unfortunately, corporations and a lot of people to pay attention is to start taking away their money. Well, one thing to consider is that kind of protest could be effective, and here's why. If they are causing their characters to stay actively in the game, even though they're uh, just sitting there, but they're like still chatting with each other, they mm -hmm. wouldn't be marked as idle, which means they would actually take up server space and could prevent other, other players may not be able to come in. Okay. Uh, oh. And that would lead to them, you know, well, why can't I get on the server? Well, well there's too many active players. Like, they're just sitting there. It's like, that's a, yep. it, it'd be kind of like, a, you know, sitting in front of a store. You're not stopping anyone from going in, but, you know, enough enough people sit in front of the store. Other people are just like, I'm not going in. Like, something's, yeah. something's going on here that's not worth crossing the line for. And, uh, yeah, that's because... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't really do MMORPGs, but I know about this simply because I know it came up recently in Final Fantasy XIV that Kotaku put out this article saying, like, oh, they're, you know, Final Fantasy XIV is going to start kicking idle players that have been away from their keyboard for more than 30 minutes. And, you know, mm. we don't think that's fair. They got savaged in the comment section of all these Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV players saying, like, no, we asked them for that because we can't get onto servers because you have people who've been sitting there idle for, like, three to four hours and not even playing the game and we can't get in and yes. they're just sitting there. So Square like actually, we want them kicked out because they, yeah. they clearly aren't there anymore. Yeah. Square actually had to stop selling the game for, I think like a day while they were working on their servers because yeah. 
they're getting like so many new users, which is I think another reason why Blizzard's probably scared shitless of the story. Yeah. Because people are transitioning from I mean, WoW to Final Fantasy XIV, from which what I understand was not a good game when it first came out, but now is phenomenal. No, they for... nuked it. They they completely nuked the game and wiped it from the earth and then started over from scratch. Which is smart. About... That, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I just like, I'm, I'm like, I guess like Core, I don't know how, where you fall in this, Boston, because I know you've had your struggles with Fallout. Um, I'm not a big MMORPG fan. I, I mean, I am a, I am a fan of ones that are done well. Mm-hmm. Like when WoW first came out, I, I was I was a huge huge fan because I could drop in and play. Yeah, I didn't necessarily have to play with groups, mm-hmm. but if I did find friends that would play, we could go do games. Um, so I was like, I got that aspect of playing in a you know in a society without having to actually <laughs> interact with them all that much. Yeah, but uh mainly the uh, my big thing though is that I kept getting friends that were like way too uh, flighty and so we would we would start playing I would get to a certain level and they'd be like hey man I'm gonna go to this other server now oh. I'm like, well, but oh okay huh. yeah but uh, like, I could carry you to level 20 or... bye yeah like I'd imagine these kind of games are fun if you do have that gang not that they're not flighty but they just want to go in and play like have their adventure probably like like playing D&D, I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to do Sea of Thieves if I ever got an Xbox, but I know I would have to find people that would want to actually play the way I want to play, and that's to have an actual pirate crew and go around fighting skeletons and finding treasures. Which, yeah, that's something I mean, heard, is a lot better than it was when it first came out. Which, yeah, we would definitely have to try and get to make sure that we are ready for mm-hmm. when, because uh, it's not, not if, but when, Another group of pirates shows up and fucks our shit up royally. Oh, does that have pirate versus pirate? Oh yeah, no, it's yeah, it's totally uh, yeah, PPPV. Yeah, the yeah, you can totally you can totally go through, and I, I've seen a few people do it, especially early on, where you come up to an island and you notice there's already a ship docked nearby. Yeah, and so you just prepare yourself when they get back to their ship. You just unload and go take all the treasure that they just... Wow. Uh, see, that kind of stuff frustrates me. Like, I tried to play um, when Red Dead Redemption uh, did their online, and mm. I enjoyed it for, like, the first day. Like, you could go in there and do, like, adventures, like, just go hunting and do all that stuff. But there would be people that would wait to see you doing it and doing, like, a, a quest or something and screw you up, screw you over near the end of the quest. And that's yeah. just not fun. I mean... Yeah, that's one of the reasons why. Well, it's even one of the reasons why we are. Um, uh, Kim, Sarah, and I have been playing Apex, but we've been playing the new arenas mode way more than Battle Royale. Okay. Because it's it's a much more contained game. You're not having to worry about fifty other players might drop in on you from any any direction, any point. Yeah. Where you got to be like paranoid in all directions all the mm-hmm. time. Where it's just okay, get your load out, get ready, do the, do do what you need to do, and then then we're good. Is the arena mode three v three? Yeah, it's three v three. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, and and you've been just playing a lot more, and now when you do like the season stuff, because I know there's always like when you're playing the game and you do all your season stuff, you get like um, skins and stuff that you can't get any other time. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you sell the place some of the battle royal to get those, or do they just count like? 
all the wins um, from either mode. So there, you can you can get it faster because you're gonna have to. Um, I have I found a way to just about uh, to I, I think I'm done with mine, but um, there's definitely a way to do it only playing arenas, but it's much easier if you can go in and grind some of the battle royale stuff. But okay. then some of it's really just like literally play play eight games as this character in battle royale. So you just you don't even have to win; you just have to show up eight times. Okay. Yeah, and so the so battle the, royales the are time. fifty player battle royals. Uh, sixty. It's sixty. So, okay. uh, twenty teams, twenty teams of three, or thirty teams of two. Okay. And uh, I, not including if anybody is trying to run solos. Okay, and I know the new battlefield is going to be insane, like something like a hundred and twenty person. Yeah, or something I, insane like that. But the, but there's a, is not going to be battle royale though, correct? It's I think it's going to have team versus team. I don't know about a battle. Though it'll probably come because that's every game has a battle royale mode now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, their big thing is going to be their their version of Halo's Forge, where you're going to have the um, all the items from like a few like Battlefield 1942, the new one, Bad Company, and another one, and you'll be able to use all the um, items from those games all the whatever they're called um and make your own versions like they were showing like one person where it's uh four teams of four that are using the 1942 weapons versus one team of four that's using the 2042 versions of the weapons what i think like stuff like that would be fun i mean i'm not a big fan of these kind of games but i think that would be a fun mode for a game to me it would remind me of we used to do a, a game mode in game uh goldeneye where we do one us versus one computer player that was odd job, but he was also high up like his difficulty and he was invisible. Oh, and, we would no. play, and we would play on the laboratory stage that has the, the bathrooms on it. And essentially each game came down to us like um, camping in the bathroom with bombs in each hallway trying to figure out which way our odd job was coming. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, speaking of game, I'm really bad at transitions tonight. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, what is everybody playing right now? Uh, Corey, you're the guest. Do you want to start first? Uh, yeah, I've uh, been juggling a few. Uh, my big thing was that I was I went back and replayed Starbound. Uh, it's on uh, pretty much. It's it's only on PC. It um, mm-hmm. it's like Terraria but sci-fi. Uh, I love the game, but I couldn't stand using uh, keys and uh, and a mouse pad on my laptop. Because after a while, like especially during some of the harder boss fights, where I'm having to constantly shift my aim, like I was almost breaking my wrist trying to to move the cursor around to the other side of the screen to keep attacking. So uh, I found out that if you get it on Steam and you play it on Steam's big screen mode, you can overlay a controller on it, and uh, it is. A hundred times better with a controller it is nice. so much easier to play. Uh, you, I mean, you can't. I do sometimes use the mouse pads, like when I'm constructing stuff for some fine tune controls. But in terms of combat and platforming, yes, controller. And uh, it's a shame that the Switch version is is apparently dead. Uh, mm-hmm. They were going to do a Switch version, but basically they said that they couldn't get the multiplayer to work well enough. I was like, just make it single player. I've literally <laughs> never played it multiplayer. You can play that whole game single player and never even care about having anyone else in it. But since it is kind of like you know, a Minecraft-ish game, some people would like you know to get 
people together. Oh, to go into build a planet because yeah. there's literally the game has almost unlimited number of planets that you can go to, and you could just build whatever you wanted to on any of these planets. Are and, they randomly uh, generated? They are. Um, yeah, everything's much, randomly generated in it. It's very but, much um, like a two D No Man's Sky. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, but because it's two D and because the way the seeding and everything works is that you, you have a pretty good idea of what's going to be on a planet based of, of the starts around and the type of planet is like some things will always be on certain planets and, and some things will never be on certain planets. So depending on what you're looking for, if you go to the right type of planet, you're going to find it. Uh, and it does That's a story good. mode with that. Cause basically the way the story mode works is that um, you have to investigate a specific civilization cause there's six primary races in it. Uh, you investigate that civilization, then you go to a place that's important to that civilization, which is a, a locked place that you teleport to, and it's always the same. That's not randomly generated. That's always a set design stage. But uh, but as far as how you get to that stage, like, you just go to different places. You try to find evidence of that culture. Uh, some planets that almost always have that, that people from that uh, race, but then sometimes you can just be exploring random planets, and you'll find, like, just a settlement of that race, like, just randomly on that planet, and you can study them there. So, a lot of fun. Uh, I usually always, I, I usually find one of the low tier worlds and make it my garden planet, where I'll plant all the different foods and uh, make try to make all the recipes. I did try to play around with the pet system a little more this time. You could basically play Pokemon in it. You have <laughs> capture, literally, you have capture pods. You have to weaken any monster in the game that's not a boss monster. You can capture and have it as a pet. And uh, and you can even have like a tether where you can put the pet on a, like a laser leash oh, if cool. you want to, or have it join you in combat. You can find random NPCs to join and join you, but they're the AI is decent on them, but they tend to become somewhat suicidal and they just run <laughs> towards monsters. They'll just start shooting it like point blank. You're like, you have a gun, take cover, or you know, get get. It's kind of like in those old horror movies, you know, where they always approach the monster with their pistol, and it's like the whole point of a gun is that you can attack from a distance. You do not walk towards something while shooting uh, it. I the mean, whole depend, point. Yeah. Depending on the, depending on the gun. Huh. You do have a if you're out of range. range. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shotgun, yeah. I get it. But like if you've got a rifle, you, you don't need to be within ten feet of it. You can move back. You know. Yeah. It's probably easier to hit it. Because you have long-barreled weapons, you don't want to try to shoot things up close with them. It's, it's, it just doesn't work out. Uh, I also played, messed around with Aluna a little bit. It's this uh, Diablo-esque uh, um, action RPG that's set in Latin America, like the time of the Conquistadors. Okay. Uh, it's just a cool setting, good music. Uh, trying to finish Dragon Quest Eleven, I love it. But it's a lot, and I'm still I'm 140 hours in, so I, I took a long break. So I'm just kind of poking around. And and you both have a game that a certain special person bought you both that you <laughs> haven't played yet. Neither one of you have played. Well, we, we you and I have an agreement with when I will play that game. Wait, Wait what's our what? agreement, Spider Man? Yeah, you have uh... to play D and D with me. Oh yeah, we'll play next Tuesday. Better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I do no, need to catch up on that. The company that made that game, Chucklefish, they've made some legit good games. I see that they did Water uh, Wargroove, um, Inmost, which I I played and I didn't finish it, but I liked it. And they did one of my favorite uh, Metroidvania games called Time Spinner. I have Time Spinner and I've never played it. I think it's it's, it's fun. I mean, it's not 
the greatest Metroidvania, but it's it's fun. I, I really dug it. Um, and it looks like they're adding their controller support to a lot of games because they got on here, I guess the game they did called Pathway now has controller support added as well. Really? Uh, yeah. And yeah, Pathway, Pathway is fun as fuck. Is it? Yeah. Uh, it's If it's the one I'm thinking about, it's... Uh, it's set in the 1930s, Great Wilderness. Yeah, it's on, it's yeah. uh, Indiana Jones... Indiana Jones uh, tactics. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, oh you got a dog too. Nice. Um, right. But yeah, it says here uh, controller support added. So maybe that's something they're doing now because, um, well, they don't announce that Starbound is controller support, but I guess they found a way. Well, um, it's through Steam's. So Steam has this big screen mode where basically okay. uh, it, it turns your computer into a console like UI. So you can actually okay. use a controller just like that. So you can use the controller for everything in the UI. You can select games with it, web browse, whatever. It's it's meant to be used like on a TV. Like you cast the TV and you can actually control everything you need to do yeah. the computer without having to touch the keyboard. Okay. As a result of this, they allow you to map the controller to any game because it technically you can use the analogs for the mouse and set the buttons however you want. And they've also got some games they have a preloaded config that I guess the community suggested or something. So with Starbound, okay. I don't know if it's necessarily the official config, but they'll preload in a uh, pretty decent controller con config. I did add in, there was like one or two functions they didn't have on it that I added into the to clicking the analogs. But yeah. other than that, I was able to do pretty much everything from the controller. That's how Ken plays Apex. That's how Ken plays Apex. Really? Okay. That's pretty cool that they allow you to do. That's cool that they. That's that's really cool, and it's basically works on all Steam games. Pretty much. Huh. If you're in that big screen mode, my understanding is that it will over it will force overlay that a controller onto pretty much anything. That's mm -hmm. pretty great because there have been games in the past yes. where like. <laughs> Like Alex Kidd, and I know they just did the DX edition of the of one of the Alex Kidd games. But another thing that always frustrated me about that game was where the jump and the punch were opposite of what where they should be, or mm -hmm. what the traditional way that I like it to be. And that's kind of neat that you can go in there and that the developer has made a screwy control system that you can kind of change it to work for you. Oh yeah, no custom, custom controlling is it was one of my. For a long time, I never understood it. I never grasped it. Yeah. Until I started seeing people who just like would do some really bizarre shit with their <laughs> controllers to the point you're like, oh, okay, I can, all right. Like, uh, one of my buddies used to play Halo where he had this weird grip that almost like put the gun, like put it up on its side. Uh -huh. I'm just like, what are you, okay, all right. Do you. I mean, if it works for you, man, like, you're you're winning every round, so I like clearly you're not doing something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like they had that in like I never understood it when Aylin, um, when I tried to get her to play the first Prince of Persia when that came out, she just couldn't do it because it didn't have the control setup that she needed. Mm -hmm. Like I was like sending her going, "This is great, you should play this," and she just could not could not could not do it just because the control she did not have the way to play the game that she was comfortable with. Mm. Um, but that's one of the good things, though, with a lot of games now is they're trying their best to do accessibility, not just for, I mean, you know, it's more so also for like deaf people, uh, for people that just want to be able to enjoy the game. Like, not all games need to be like a Souls game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm fine with casual. Like, I feel like 
there's nothing wrong with story difficulty. If that's how you're going to enjoy the game, by all means, you paid for it. So yeah. play it the way that you like it. I I think it needs to, you know, in like it used to be. It's like, yeah, the hard mode exists for you to really push yourself or if, like, you know, you love the game, but you just need that more challenge in it. You know, when it's done right, a hard mode can be great, especially when hard mode rewards you. What I what I don't like is when you just pointlessly make the game more difficult and yeah, like you just buff up it. the you just buff up the enemies. Yeah, because um, some JRPGs well, have been notorious it. about that in the the past. They'll just make the game harder and harder, but you don't get anything. Now, the Tales series, for instance, has started doing better with like now, like if you play on normal, normal means everything's balanced and at like its defaults. You can lower the difficulty and make the monsters much weaker, but you won't get as much golden experience. So you'll you'll need to fight more, but the battles are easier. Yeah. On the yeah. other hand, if you up the difficulty, it increases the amount of experience gold and it increases the drop rate of rare items. So even though the game is harder, you get more reward for it. Yeah. One of the um, last Mario Luigi games kind of did that, where there was an item mm -hmm. that you could get that would make the stuff more difficult. But you would get more stuff for doing it. Yeah, like I'm it was... fine. If it speeds the game up, you can make it harder. But if I have to just grind more for the sake of, you know, artificially increase difficulty, it's like, eh, what, what did you really. You just made the game longer, is all you Yeah, it's weird when games do that. Like, I love Wind Waker. Like, Wind Waker is, I think, maybe. It's so weird because I remember when I first saw Wind Waker, I despised it because I thought mm -hmm. I wanted, quote unquote, mature Zelda. Um,. But the last quest, like that last third act where you have to do all the all the fetch quests before the end. The, the Triforce, yeah, kills all the momentum in that game. Yeah, it just was Cause not it, necessary. Because you have to get the map for each of, was it eight pieces? Then you have yep. to go find each of the eight pieces. It's like you do it, it's like, why could it not have just been one map for the yep. eight pieces? And then go through it. But no, it's like find eight maps, then find the eight pieces. And you're just like, and it's like, I'm with you, like, I love that game. It was so much fun. And that's the thing. It was so much fun to play and sell that even though that was a chore, still enjoyed it. But it's just like, yeah, if you could redo this part, you'd have an all practically perfect Zelda game. Yeah, it made me feel like I was on an adventure. I mean, how cheesy that might sound, but yeah. when the weather would turn and it would rain. Mm -hmm. and the, Yeah, I. that's what I love, too, about the, the pirate Assassin's Creed game is I liked when you feel like you're actually on a journey. Mm -hmm. I, that's, that's one well, of the things I love. Well then, so, uh, something just, something just crossed my mind. Okay. What's the diff. So what is the difference? What is the difference between a game that makes you go back and traverse the same areas over again and a Metroidvania? Well, I think a lot of it is just like where it, does the extending, but the extending is only there really to extend. Like for Metroidvania is when you have to do the go back when you get new items, that's letting you get into a new area. Yeah, or yeah, or the the teasing of oh here's that here's this cool little bobble up here, but you can't jump high enough to get it. Wonder how you fit. But then some of them like one thing I really loved about Bloodstain that was ingenious is and, and honestly, it was a little mean, but I don't hate them for it, is the way the water area works in that game. So in most Metroidvanias, when you see a water area, you're like, okay, I need to get an ability that'll make make make, make, make me be able to move around in water, and then I'll, I'll get through this. 
Uh, the ability in Bloodstain that lets you move easier in water is actually towards the end of the water area. You're supposed to take a, 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 a junk power and figure out that you're supposed to use that junk power to move around through the water. And the junk powder power is just this water spray attack, which by itself seems, and you get it really early in the game. There's like, it's like one of the most common enemies in the first area. It's almost impossible to not get through the first area and not get this power. And mm -hmm. that's it. You just shoot water out. And so at first you're like, well, how am I supposed to move in the water? And I, I'll never forget. It was just, it was just, I was messing around. And that's when I realized that if you use the water shooting attack in water, it propels you up, down, all around. You literally can move in, in, in all the directions by shooting yourself with the water. That's what you're supposed to do. You're literally just supposed to mess around and figure out that way. You're not, you're not, you don't have the water ability to move around in water freely yet. You literally just need to shoot yourself through it and get through the area. Because once that you, at first it, yeah, because at first it feels unnatural, but then when you start getting deeper into it and you get into some of the challenging areas, it's clear that they designed it to make, you know, you had to get good with that power because here's these moving spike traps. Well, if you were doing normal walking and jumping, they're they're super easy to get around. But if you're using this, like, you know, highly unpredictable water spray to shoot yourself all over the place, uh, yeah, you got to be really careful with it or you're just ramming yourself into spike traps left and right. But, yeah, I mean, that was... That's what my favorite Metroid, the Metroidvania fam uh, formula really shines is when it doesn't necessarily have just one set uh, way of doing things. Because that's what made like uh, I think it was Harmony of Dissonance uh, that Castlevania. It got a little boring after all because it was just so rote of okay, get this ability now you can do this. But then when they the next the game that followed that was the one that was probably the best of the the bunch was Ari of Sorrow, where they then gave, like, okay, here, whatever, every single monster in the game can give you an ability. And go nuts. I mean, you could break that game, like, five different ways, depending on how you combined your powers. It was hilarious. Hmm. Uh, I remember getting, like, the Minotaur Axe, which cost almost all your MP to use, but it pretty much hit everything on the screen. So as long as you were patient to let your MP recharge, I mean, you were just one-hitting everything with it. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's really strong in the... If you haven't played it yet, Boston, mm -hmm. um, it's really good. And I I think it's available on all systems. And it actually works well on the Switch now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's super good. I think that one... Um, what is that one? Yoko's uh, Island Express, which you play a dung beetle, and it's a Metroidvania pinball game, is super oh, fun. Oh, yeah. You're, t you're talking about that. Yeah, it's super good. I don't know who made it, but basically... You play this little dung beetle who is going to be uh -huh. the postman for this island. And you get to the uh -huh. island and there's bad stuff going on. So each screen is basically like a pinball uh, a pinball screen. And you have to use the, the bumpers. You get powers as you progress in the game, mm -hmm. but you use the bumpers to propel you. So as you're playing the game, you get extra items that let you get into other areas of the game. But essentially, it's a Metroidvania pinball game. And That's amazing. It reminds me of Pinball Quest from the, the NES days. Yeah, yeah, and it's um. I played it's, that it's, game way too much. Yeah, and it's not a very. I think it was about an eight-hour game, but if you ever see mm. it on sale for the Switch, it's definitely worth it. But while you were talking about, there reminded me a lot of Ori, the two Ori games, because there's a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that you can do with the powers that you cannot break the game, but you can use the powers for more than what they're supposed to be for. 
Yeah, I mean, um, good Metroidvania lets you play around with it. Yeah. Because, because I mean, remember that's what Super Metroid and you know, the the two kind of like the one the two games that made Metroidvanias explode was Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night, and both of those allowed for a whole lot of just messing around with with random powers and 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 breaking. Also. Uh, fun note on Bloodstained is uh, they did come out with a randomizer mode, which absolutely bonkers. So basically what happens is, um, you know, every monster in the game can give you a power, usually like, you know, a, an attack or some sort of buff. Um, what randomizer does is one of the things you can turn on is it will randomize those so that monster monster A could then give you monster B's power. And it does, and it's random. So it, you could get an in-game power from one of the first enemies you <laughs> run into, and you can even randomize equipment drops so that then whatever monsters' treasure drops are, they get randomized and set throughout the game. And it's set for your, it's seeded for your playthrough. So once, say, Monster A drops Monster C's treasure, it will for the rest of the game. So if you want any of Monster C's treasure, you got to go hunt down Monster A, which, like I said, depending on what it was that they're dropping, can just break that game into pieces because if it was a rare weapon that's being dropped by a super easy-to-kill enemy, I mean, you're just stacking up on it. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it, it made the game a lot of fun. I'm like, you have to break it in order to play it because you will get even you can even get like the movement abilities out of order so i like got the double jump before i had like the glide jump so it's like i didn't even oh, need dang. the glide jump because i was just double jumping around everywhere that's crazy um that's insane uh what are you playing boston um so mainly just to keep myself sane recently i have been playing <laughs> uh yeah outside of, outside of apex uh i've been playing control again i've been going oh, cool. through that the master uh, version well so not I, I didn't buy the ultimate version okay epic game store gave away the original version for pc for free nice and then for the sale they had the the dlc packs for like 750 that's not so bad. so I, I effectively got the master version for okay. 750 and have been i just i just finished the main story of the first game and i'm now doing the foundation quests although i'm gonna have to go back and i forgot some side quests from the original game that give me some amenities to various things that i need to go <clears throat> yeah 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 this the side quests and control are super are, good and they're worth it for what you get and very useful yeah um uh, although i also have been playing uh i have i've still been playing chris tales how is which, that yeah how is that <sighs> So it's. I know it's a love letter to JRPGs. It is. It is definitely a love letter to JRPGs, but it's a very strange letter because, like, it's. So the 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 big the big thing with Chris Tales is getting to play with time, although okay. now I have just gotten to a point where you can also start doing synchronous move, uh, like synchron sync moves and stuff where. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can uh, team team up different people to do specific things, mm -hmm. and which is kind of good because at least at first it's like, oh my god, I get to play with time and do this crazy. You know, I, I can do this crazy stuff messing with the time time stream, and then like right about the, it, it, it's weird because it keeps it paced to a point where I was I was about to be like, okay, is that 
that's it, huh? That's that's really <laughs> that's all you got. All we got. Yeah. And then they t then like I f uh, what was it? I get to a fight where there's like just a whole bunch of like, like way more enemies than we could handle. Okay. And so the main character spoilers goes uh, like I got this and like just cast like she fucking Aku's them from Samurai Jack. Okay. <laughs> she just she just casts them into the future and then leaves them there. Oh, cool! And because it's basically set up where the screen is divided into three, right? Uh, yeah, during most of the fights. Okay. Um, but so but doing that breaks the crystals. Oh. <laughs> and so then for the next like the next thirty forty minutes in the game, you don't have the power anymore. You're back to mm. you're back to normal, and it's like oh oh crap! You have to like, you have to you have to then go back to fighting enemies in a normal fashion. Okay. Uh, until you get the new powers, and then it brings back the old powers and adds the new sync stuff in. So it seems like it's it's it, it is playing around with keeping it just just fresh enough. Okay. Um, but th the part that's gotten me so far is this weird. Uh, there's there's a weird backstory going on throughout the whole thing. The did you ever see Goblin Slayer? Are you familiar with Goblin Slayer? I'm not Corey. Are exactly. you? I know it's like a hyper violent anime, isn't it? Hyper violent, hyper the lot, very, super rapey, but Ooh. the so it's like the 1999 Woodstock, kind of. Although okay. I have I have opinions about that one too. Anyway, uh, that, that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> so one of the one of the things I love about Goblin Slayer is that there's a big bad that's going to destroy the world. They're gonna the adventurers need to go out and fight the big bad. But Goblin Slayer's like, meh. I got so, I got kill goblins. There's still goblins to deal with. Okay. And so, in Chris Tales, you are one of the ones that's like, oh no no, the, the time is unraveling. Everything's fucked. The world is going to end. You are the chosen one. And so you're going around trying to do all your chosen one stuff, and everyone else is just kind of like, oh, oh god, kid, listen, we are in the middle of so much shit right now. Sure, whatever. Go, go, do your little. Uh huh. Yeah, cool. Like uh -huh. everyone's dismissive of you <laughs> because yeah. they have more important shit to deal with than the end of the world. The the battle system sounds neat because I read somewhere where if you're like if you're fighting uh, like an enemy that has armor, you can hit him with something that makes him wet and then send him in the future to where it rusts. Uh, um, or also one one of my favorites is is if a if an enemy is doing too much damage to you. You send them back in time to when they're a novice, a novice soldier, uh -huh. and they don't deal as much damage. Um, also, there's one you unlock a, a t another time mage who focuses on these like plants that can live forever. Yeah, and he, so one of the one of the plants is a is effectively like a mandrake root. It's poisonous, and so my favorite tactic so far is and actually where I was like. Oh, this is wow! This is actually getting too easy. I can just fucking I'm nuking everybody, because you go all right in the present. Poison, cool. Send them to the future. So now they've been poisoned for like thirty years, huh. and it all hits at once, and they just go. Oh, oh. That's pretty, but I heard too. You got to kind of watch the character because some characters are older, and if you send them in the past, they'll be younger and stronger and faster. Uh, yes, sometimes that can happen. Um, so here's a question: If you had to fight Hitler, would you send him in a past where he's a baby, 
or in a future where he's an older oh man. Again, I would. I, I, I still default to Evil Baby Orphanage, and I need to find a copy of that game so we can play it someday. Okay. <laughs> have, I, have, so, I told, have I not told you about this? Sounds exciting. No, no. Have I, uh, Brian, have I told you? Have I told, no, told you about this yet? I have not heard of oh, this. I could have swore I have. So, um, if I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Vlog Brothers. Nope. But they're uh, YouTube YouTube sensations. Okay. And they they put together. Someone, someone had, was asking the question, like, you know, would, would you go back in time and kill Hitler? Would you go back in time and kill Hitler? Would you go back in time and kill Hitler? And someone finally was like, you know, if you had the ability to go back in time and shoot this baby, you also have the ability to just take the baby and then raise it to not be a cunt. Oh. Right? Yeah. Like, you totally have the ability to just raise Hitler to not be Hitler. Hitler. Okay. And so they put together this whole game where it's you, you choose your babysitter and then you go through time collecting evil babies so you can send them to an orphanage to reform them. <laughs> That's amazing. And so you're going around and collecting like uh, Vlad Dracul II, or sorry, Vlad Dracul III, um, mm-hmm. or uh, Elizabeth Bathory and uh, Hitler. Uh, Jeffrey, D- I don't know if I can't remember if Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, wow. But yeah, various. Hey, you bro, to- try this. This is really delicious. I think you're going to like this a lot more. <laughs> That's That sounds amazing. But so, but yeah, uh, but would you recommend good, good Crystals? Stuff. I guess it's on Xbox I, Game Pass right now, right? I, I'm, in, I'm in a weird spot because as of right now, if, if, it's, if you have it on Game Pass, I definitely recommend checking it out. Okay. I don't, th- as, as much fun as I had with the demo and as much as I was, exp- I was excited for this game, I don't. Maybe if I was in a better position, I would I would be happy spending forty bucks on it out the gate. Mm-hmm. But that that forty dollar price tag was a little little punch to the gut when I saw it. Okay. So the fact that I got it on the Game Pass makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, because I think yeah, that's another reason why the Game Pass is awesome. I mean, it does help if you're just kind of sitting on the fence about <laughs> a game. You're like, well, it's it's I'm already paid for this month, so I guess I can play it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Speaking and, of which, what was yeah. the other one? What's the one I'm going to start playing tomorrow? The Ascent is one that oh, goes live okay. soon. Yeah, I think that is by the end of the month. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, 28th. Yeah. And that's the one that's kind of isometrics, right? Yes. Uh, it, looks, it looks very Diablo-like. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think they showcase that a little bit on their um, E3 presentation. Um, and I am playing... Well, I finished Judgment. Um, about 45 hours to beat it. Um Really dug it. It was my first game in the Yakuza series. Um, The tonal shifts. (laughs) The tonal shifts. I don't really. I didn't really dig too much. It's really hard because, like, literally in one part of the story, a character dies that I kind of had started to like, and I'm really just like going, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happens!" And literally the next scene, I'm chasing a wig through the city for a guy who's worried about uh he's a pop star and needs his wig so the ladies don't leave him oh god and it was weird it reminded me a lot i've said this before it reminded me a lot of a ta- of a tyler perry movie where you'll have <laughs> Medea over there doing the craziest wackiest things and then all of a sudden you got a story about some woman that has uh the worst kind of aids possible you know it's just it's the tonal yeah, shifts that that in- drove appropriately dark all of a sudden yeah. Now, one thing I did find out interesting about Terry, Tyler Perry, and I'll just like, uh, I got to tell the story. Um, 
so Chris Rock was on a um, award show once, right? And Chris Rock was making fun of Tyler Perry and said, what's Medea going to do next? A Halloween movie? And Tyler Perry was watching that uh, award show and kind of got mad that he got made fun of. And so he made his next movie, Medea, a boo story. Yeah. <laughs> and it got to the point where the studio, I think, realized that, oh, well, Chris Rock has to get a story credit for this. So instead of giving him a story credit, they gave him the Saw franchise. <laughs> That's how he landed that Saw movie. Wow. Was basically his payment from the studio for Tyler Perry's Medea's Boo story and Boo Two. <laughs> yeah, too human. Boo's yeah, too human, too Boo. I was, um, I was like the, I was like the, the joke of why, why are we always excited that Medea is going to all the places that Ernest has been before? Now there are some movies born. that don't hold up. Do you know there was at one, and I imagine. This movie has, I bet every copy's been burned. There was an Ernest movie where he went to Africa. Yeah, yeah, Ernest goes, but it was literally called Ernest Goes to Africa. Yeah. Was there? Yes, there was. There really was, and it's... Yeah, but, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's not not good, but I also just can't imagine him being there than, like, just good-natured and... I would hope not, but this was still the 80s where a lot of times people weren't... I think it was the 90s, early 90s. Well, I'm going to, you know, tip my hat to you and your earnest knowledge. Yeah, I'm not uh, certain. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think it probably is. I can tell by the cover it was probably not a good time for people. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other game I've been playing is the one that is on the Game Pass, but it's also free for PlayStation 5 this month. Um, and that is A Plague's Tale Innocence. Um, yeah. It's super good. It reminds me a lot of like kind of like a a Naughty Dog game that doesn't have like as big a budget as like The Last Left 4 Deads or Uncharted. Um, essentially, the game, a lot of it comes down to you have to stay in the light because all around you are rats that are trying to eat you. And you have your brother with you, Hugo. He, Hugo is like four or five, and he's got some kind of rare disease. It's set in the Black Plague, so it's a, it's a, it's a laugh riot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to say it's something like hemophilia or something because he's. Uh... Well, there's a twist near the end of the game that reveals what Hugo's power really is, uh, or his sickness. Um, but as the game plays, you have a slingshot. So you start find they start giving ways for you to use alchemy and things to give her some powers. Like for instance, if there's a lot of rats around and you see like a guard that's holding a lantern, you can shoot the lantern out with your rock, and then the rats will swarm the guard. Um, you get certain things like an odor that you can throw over to the side that distracts the rats long enough for you to kind of push through. Um, it does a really good job with the two main characters and also introducing side characters that help her out uh, on the journey. Uh, it seems like it's a decently long game, too. I'm about probably about 13, 14 hours in. I think I'm nearing the end of it. But um, it's like I said, it's free on Game Pass, and I think it's only like 20 bucks on the other systems. So it's definitely worth playing if you're if you're looking for a good single-player action game that's not going to like, you know, like kind of like a... Um, you know, between your open world games, something that, you know, is not going to be 45 hours or 100 hours, something that you can kind of sink your teeth in for a little bit and then move on to something else. Yeah, no, I, I played I played a little bit of it when I first got the game pass. Um, 
and it was it was a it was I, I love I love environmental puzzlers like that where you the the goal is less about trying to overcome your enemies and more just like control like outsmart yeah. everybody. Yeah, like you look at it and you're like, how am I supposed to do this? There's like certain guards everywhere and you slowly start to figure out the ways that you can do it. Cause, and it does good with giving her like the new abilities as the game progresses. Um, mm. They do it in a way where it's not overwhelming. Like, okay, you got this weapon now and you can figure out how you can use this in conjunction with the other powers you have. Um, not powers, but your abilities with the sling and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, super good game. Uh Good voice acting, and I think they announced a sequel at the Xbox show. I hope it's not um, the system exclusive, but um, yeah, it's 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 really surprising because I thought honestly the whole game was just set in that in that castle, like they mm-hmm. would always show in the trailer. But it's kind of interesting seeing the different um, areas that the game is set in. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, when you talk about environmental puzzlers, I always uh, I think about my favorite recent one was Donut County, which unfortunately was just too short. It, I uh, love that game, but it needed more. Like you just just as you're really getting in, they really start really like hurting your brain with it. Then it's it's done. It's like man, like could you just do some more stages or have a sandbox mode or something? Is it basically but, like a like an afternoon game? Oh yeah, yeah. No, you can you can play through the like. My my girlfriend's daughter wanted to play it, and she she who she was she's seven, and she got through the whole game in like uh, two three hours. But, I mean, had a blast doing it. It's yeah. a lot of fun, but it's uh, it's one of those games where you can't really necessarily like lose at it. It's more just like you just have to keep doing something to figure out what the what the uh, solution is, and some of them are pretty pretty messed up because you're. Your goal is, to, is that in each screen you're trying to, to trick some or get someone to uh, fall down the hole. <laughs> Sounds dark. Oh yeah, it's it, it, it's super it's super it's super fucked up. But then yeah. like once you get to like and, you, and the, the best part is like there's never like a the 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 the, the, pro, the main antagonist keeps being like oh yeah it's uh, here's here's my justifications for it. And like it's never good. Like they're still like, no, no, you're still a piece of shit. What are you? T- <laughs> so you're like the goose. You're just an asshole. Yeah. Yes. You're literally a raccoon that's 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 doing that's wrecking. I mean, here's the st- this is literally the story of the game. You're a raccoon that has a part-time job delivering donuts, but you download this app that lets you uh, move a hole around, suck things into it, and as you suck things into it, you're technically collecting points. To get a drone. Oh my uh, god! And so, literally, the raccoon's just sitting there doing this, to slowly tearing this town apart because he wants to get a drone. Really? Well, as I under, yeah. as I understand it, as I understood it from the pl- from the from what plot, quote unquote, there was. Mm-hmm. Those were the donuts. Yeah, no, he he actually works for a donut delivery business. So what happens is like they'll get the person the donuts, and then he comes in with the hole and. So yeah, the the this, the game's actually being told from everyone in where the hole could sit them all, you know, flashing back to how they got into the hole, and it's it's just him terrorizing them, and they're like, "Why did you guys like? Well, it's a cool drone." And uh, uh, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go play it again because I, uh, I remember it being that the the holes that were swallowing everything up, 
uh-huh. were the donuts. Like well, that, maybe you know, maybe that is true, and I'm just I'm just someone that. someone order a donut, and then all of a sudden the hole would swallow them up. Okay, I'm seeing a picture online here where the raccoon is on the toilet, and it looks amazing. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, a that's... really fun game. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's it so doesn't cute, look like. But it's... I just wish it was longer. It just yeah. wasn't enough of it. So this might be one to really look for when it's like on sale, then, right? Because it's, I think it's thirteen bucks, like at least on Switch. I don't know what it is on the other things, but do you think thirteen is a fair good, price? A fair, or do you... That's a fair price because, like I said, it's a lot yeah. of fun. It's an afternoon game. Yeah, I mean, if that you can get it awesome. for ten or less, then yeah, it's like go for it. Uh, well, if you want to, is... go, go ahead. No, go ahead. And if, and if you want to, definitely there's some replayability if you want to try and like speed run it or mm-hmm. mess some other stuff up. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, awesome. And what's really funny, and this is probably the best part of the game, because you remember how in Katamari Damashi there was a catalog where everything you rolled up, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so in this game, there's also a catalog of everything you pull into the hole, but it's all the descript that there's descriptions for every item, but the descriptions are from the point of view of a raccoon. Now, do so it'll literally be happens? like, huh? Does it ever explain what happens to these people that are being dragged? Yeah, in yeah. Story? You get a full, okay, full right. storyline. Sorry, like, I didn't mean to interrupt who's you. Who's behind? Make no, sure. no, you're good. Of who's really behind it all okay. and what what the actual purpose of the holes okay. are for. That sounds uh, amazing. It involves garbage, but yeah, okay. but but basically, the raccoon will describe that like you know, the, you know, like it'll be like a snake. You like, I met a snake once. Don't loan it two dollars, and like that'll be the <laughs> description of the item. And then another thing is like this is a, some really good garbage, like or you know this isn't any good. This is this isn't edible, so it's useless kind of thing. Okay, that's a good segue because we're gonna end the show with recommendations of garbage. What? <laughs> yeah, no, no, donut country. Um, Corey, you're our guest. What do you? It can be anything. It can be a game, TV show, movie, book, anything that you want to recommend. Um, Trying to think. We can uh, go to Boston first if you need a yeah, second. Yeah, go first. Give me a minute. <laughs> okay. Do you got anything to recommend, Boston? Uh, I recommend going to Google.com. Okay. And clicking on their Olympic Doodle. Oh, yeah. And playing through that entirety. Uh, actually, Kim has gotten lost in this stupid game. Wait, it's so a game? So th- yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a game legit that is... game. Well done, too. Yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's very it's very Zelda like in the way it's laid out. Huh. But then there's a bunch of mini games where you try to complete the different Olympic events. Oh, cool. And uh, win all the crests and access some stuff. But there's also like all these side quests too. She's like really. She's, she has yeah. She's she's put several hours into this stupid Google Doodle game now. <laughs> trying that's, to unlock everything. That's incredible because I I you. I never really click on the. I like to look at the animations, but I I didn't think that was a game. But it's got like a cat lead in yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. It has an opening intro and everything. It's it's. Fun. Yeah. I started it and it really looks. The graphics look nice, at least in that intro. Um, and I guess it's free, so that's another perfect part. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so we recommended the Google game. I am going to recommend everybody go check out Ted Lasso season two, which has just started. Um, again, we need the kind of show like that right now. And I'm going to unrecommend because I am suffering through this movie right now. I've told myself I'm going to finish it, but I'm watching it in chunks. The Tomorrow War Wars. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. It's bad. 
but I mean, I gotta know: is it worse than Army of the Dead, or um, is for it, me, for, it out? okay. So Army of the Dead, I managed to watch that all in three settings. I'm on my fourth setting with Tomorrow Ooh. World right now. Um, I basically watch it while I'm eating, and as soon as I'm done eating, I turn it to something else <laughs> because it's it's just not good. Um, and the special effects really do look like made for television, not like made for television from like the nineties or the early aughts, but it's just not a good movie. So play that Google doodle game instead. (laughs) Yeah. You'll, you'll have more fun. And, uh, Corey, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, I just because I think the series needs more love and it did have a movie just come out. But if you have not, if you like zombies and mayhem, please give Kingdom a shot on Netflix. It is a Korean zombie show set during the medieval era of Korea. So it's a historical drama uh, that deals with like succession to the throne, but also zombies. And uh, the zombies have a unique, uh, the cause of the zombies and the zombie mechanics in the show are actually pretty unique. Okay. Uh, they they have some. I I can't spoil it because the end season one ends with you finally getting the truth behind the zombie like mechanic how they how they actually work because okay. they're the characters are making you know there's no hard science in this so they're basing all their assumptions on what they've seen the zombies do so they have this one theory about them. The, Theory wasn't quite right, and okay. uh, yeah, it the season one, the ending to it's insane, and then season two literally starts off with the consequences of season one and just a huge zombie battle, and uh, it's fantastic. Like every character pulls you in, um, really well done, and you know, don't let the subtitles start stop you. Go for it. But they just came out with a movie that I believe is actually a side story um, for Kingdom, and it came out I think just. Uh, last week on Netflix. Okay, and I think it so has been greenlit for season three, right? Hopefully, but yes, season two could technically be the end. But they did kind of have uh, there. It didn't end on a cliffhanger. They resolved most of the major story parts by the end of season two, but they did make a hint of where the story could go next. So they 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 kind of like what what Ryan and I've called the uh, the Agents of Shield process, where you write each season as if it's your last. But you leave the door open just enough in case they give you another one. Look, that's that's uh, that's the way. Smart, they, smart. Yeah, it's it's a smart way to do it, just in case, because uh, especially with Netflix, it's been like slashing stuff left and right. Um, but they did say here that the special Ashen of the North will be a stepping stone to go beyond Kingdom season three. So I think oh, it did get okay. renewed. Um, yeah. Uh, so I said, as as the series has, it's not officially been renewed for a third season yet um so they might be taking this special uh just to kind of see uh but they're saying if they are uh they predict it's gonna would start shooting uh shortly because it was announced uh, the ashen of the north was announced in november 2 2020 okay. during the pandemic okay. um so i guess a show like that with that kind of uh it probably is a show that probably is, is expensive and they probably, it's probably hard to do with the COVID um, mm-hmm. measures. Well, I mean, it needs a big cast. Cause I mean, they're doing, they're doing, you know, the, the zombies they they keep, 
there's some CGI on it, but it's mostly practical zombie effects. So I mean, cool. you can imagine you need, well, you know, just like The Walking Dead does, so you need a large group of extras. Did you say it's South Korean? Other. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's and... a, North Korean, the, the only, there's only one <laughs> yeah. North Korean movie I know of, and that's Polgasari. Yeah. And that's another story for another day. But yeah. if you ever want to have a kaiju episode, uh-huh. I will tell you the dark story of Polgasari because. It is in the, it's it's absolutely insane. It involves kidnappings, you name it, to make. We this may have movie. to have you back for the Kaiju and episode uh, now. we're doing a episode. Okay, that and cryptids. Corey, you're coming back for a third time. I'll um, do it, man. I'm all about cryptids. The South Korean have have they been really? The South Koreans have been really good at like zombie films because they did uh, Train to Busan. Um, I've not seen the sequel, but I'm trained, is it Train to Busan? Yeah, Train to Busan. Yes. Yeah, love that one. And what's that one that you and I watch, Corey, about the guy that's trapped in life? his apartment? Is it, a, is it called Alone? It was something like that. It was like one word. It was like Alone. Yeah, it was really good. And it was it was a lot better than either of us thought it would be. Because it, it gets really dark. Yeah. At oh, one yeah. point, especially when you realize, like, you know, what this guy's fighting for and the futility of it. And, like, wow, uh, where's this... Where's this going? But it's uh yeah, it's a it's it it really surprised me and uh, uh with the quality and just really good tense claustrophobic zo- zombie movie because you know they're usually uh you know moving around but this was a zombie movie where like everything all the action's taking place in just like one building and that's it. Yeah, it was. Um, I want to find the make sure it's called alone because I I think people would. Would really dig it. Um, oh, is it survive or something or live? Yeah, dang it, I can't. Uh, well, the good thing Give is, me like, just a second. But it's called it's called hashtag alive. Okay, yeah, oh. because that's what he was tagging his. Yeah, he because he keeps like live blogging when he can because he's like a yeah. game streamer yeah. or something. And then the the zombie apocalypse happens and yeah, and it's so good because basically the majority of the movie takes place on pretty much in that apartment mm-hmm. yeah uh it's 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 really good yeah it's it surprised me but no um because i think train was the first uh the first zombie film that uh south korea uh create made and they've done well with this genre mm-hmm. yeah i wish i could say america's doing well but walking dead <laughs> is still <laughs> but except for the one that we like because tavis works on it um but walking the dead it's kind of in shambles right now i'm still watching it i'm gonna be there till the bitter end but it's bad um <laughs> on that note boston do you want to put this show to a rest uh, i do believe that we have spent enough time uh enjoying ourselves <laughs> here uh this episode of the pdq once again Corey, thank you so much for coming on out and we will definitely look forward to that uh, that kaiju cryptid episode. I can't wait in the future. I'm excited Absolutely. to learn about kaiju and cryptids. But without any further ado, good night, Internet. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we are BRBFK, and this has been the PDQ. Good night. Night. night.